from deep inside your audio device of choice. That is deep and cold. Ladies and gentlemen, the news, the news is, is kind of like an onion. Sometimes you've got trained journalists there to do the peeling. Sometimes the onion peels itself. You know the uh, stories about the two Boeing 737 MAX, that's the name of the model, not not the name of the guy, airliners that crashed, uh, both killing uh, more than 100 people each. Uh, the airplane has now been with, withdrawn from service by all the airlines that bought it. And we knew that, and we knew that they were, uh, you know, looking into what's, what's going on with that plane. That, this week, some uh, internal emails from inside Boeing, became public. Much like the emails from inside the uh, Defense Department and the Office of Management and Budget that became public during the holiday period, wherein high officials actually fingered, pardon the expression, Donald Trump as the source of the command to withhold military aid from Ukraine. Anyway, these are internal emails from Boeing in which employees of said Boeing mocked federal rules regarding airline regulation, talked about deceiving regulators, and joked about potential flaws in the aircraft as it was being developed. These uh, emails were delivered to congressional investigators. Like, what business did they have looking into that? Quote, I still haven't been forgiven by God for the covering up I did last year, one of the employees said in messages from 2018, apparently in reference to interactions with the FAA. I'm sure God... I think God was watching football. The most damaging messages included conversations among Boeing pilots and other employees about the software issues and other problems with flight simulators for the Max. There was a lot of controversy about whether the changes from the regular 737 to the Max... We're going to the Max... Uh, would necessitate new training for pilots on simulators or whether they could just read the manual in 10 minutes and go, okay, got it. The company concealed problems from the FAA during the regulations, during the regulators' certification of the simulators. Would you put your family on a max simulator-trained aircraft? I wouldn't, one employee said to a colleague. No, the colleague responded. In another set of messages, employees questioned the design of the MAX and even denigrated their own colleagues. Quote, this airplane is designed by clowns who are in turn supervised by monkeys, an employee wrote in uh, 2017. Now, in case you think the United States is uh, still a country where success is rewarded, the uh, head of Boeing during the time when those emails were written, during the time when the 737 MAX was being designed and developed, during the time when two of them crashed. He's just left the company with a $60 million package. I guess it's a golden parachute. More literally than most. Hello, welcome to the show. I'd reach the other side That spot That point on the horizon That I've always seen so clearly Today Someone had 
From New Orleans, where carnival season has officially begun. Yeah. Yeah. Began last Monday night. Or last Monday. All day. And um, it's about time. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. Um, I, was, I was listening to NPR. <laughs> I know. The most, the, 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 in the place where I do most of my NPR listening, which is in the bathroom of this studio right before this program starts, and I heard uh, one of the guests, a writer on an on a NPR program, say that uh, he had gotten a really useful tip from the late journalist Tom Wolfe that to really understand this country, you had to read the specialized magazines of uh, various businesses. Not the New York Times and Washington Post, but these specialized magazines, he said, and I've taken that to heart. And I guess I will, too. I, I guess I'm going to start reading the trades for you. It's about time, isn't it? From Advertising Age, Walmart leverages offline data in the latest bid to take on Amazon. I will read it for you. Walmart fired a shot across the bow of its biggest rival, Amazon, while also taking a page straight out of its playbook. The company's ad tech arm, Walmart Media Group, introduced advertising partners. The move will potentially allow advertisers to tap into Walmart's trove of customer data. More data! More data! We need more data! Come on! More data! More data! Huh? Get some data for me! More data! More data! More data! We need more! More! To offer advertisers better targeting and measurement tools. Quote, brands can tap into Walmart's shopper footprint to get the right sponsored ad experience 
to the right shopper at the right moment. That's the quote from Lex Josephs of Walmart Media Group. Quoting again, we have, to, we have something unique to offer brands, the ability to maximize campaigns with rich data insights based on both in-store and online data at scale. Companies such as Procter & Gamble and Kimberly-Clark already advertise on channels such as Amazon. Walmart's offerings, however, from the way they execute planning, forecasting, and buying through Walmart's channels weren't as robust. This has the potential to level the playing field so Walmart can better compete for ad dollars previously earmarked for Amazon. Unlike Amazon, however, Walmart's key differentiator is its massive data on offline sales, as the company can now attribute digital ads to products purchased in-store by customers. Says Nick Weinheimer, an e-commerce e executive, the total size of Walmart's offline footprint dwarfs Amazon's. You're going to see Walmart telling the story of how their digital ads influence offline purchasing behavior. That will surely grab the attention of packaged goods marketers and advertisers as their digital marketing challenge is often the inability to tinker with their digital ad spend based on tying it back to actual sales. Walmart's advertising platform can help close the gap between digital advertising and conversion, that is to say sales. For the biggest retailer in the country, it would be a big step forward for the industry. That's quoting Lance Poregao, a marketing officer at a digital agency. Of course, that's if Walmart is willing to share that data, he adds. Although Walmart is best known for selling products, the retail juggernaut also commands massive traffic to its website, making it one of the country's largest publishers. It's the second most visited retail website in the U.S., just behind number one ranked Amazon. Walmart is now claiming it can improve ad targeting while also helping advertisers measure effectiveness across the so-called Consumer journey. Walmart is doing this because they built a giant business and a huge amount of retail customer data, says John Coatsier, a VB, a, a vice president of Insights at Singular. And they're just starting to realize how valuable access to the insights from that data and access to their customers really is, he adds. At Amazon, you have to cut through all the noise from Amazon's own branded merchandise and its house brands, driving the need for brands to buy ads to get reasonable placement for their own products, he says. 
Walmart may also take advantage of similar mechanics and essentially like Amazon make money not just from selling products but from selling access to its customer base you're part of the base babe Stand tall, stand proud. You're part of the base. I only wish I visited the bathroom earlier. So I would have known before. To read the trades for you. Copyrighted feature. Oh, I copyrighted it. That's right. Now news of the atom. Work has begun on removing nuclear waste from a, a power station in Britain, Barclay. This is only 30 years after the station was decommissioned in the first place. Uh, the disused Magnox generator, situated on the banks of the River Severn in Gloucestershire, closed in 1989. Work emptying its vast concrete vaults of the nuclear waste Barclay generated is only now able to safely begin. For the past 50 years, parts of the coastline of West England have been dominated by nuclear power stations. Only one is still in use, but the nuclear waste the stations generated, according to the BBC, they should know, has remained in place. It takes, according to the BBC, hundreds of years to decompose. Add some zeros, babe. And has to be stored underground. It'll cost an estimated $1.6 billion to fully decommission Barclay. Does that cost figured into the cost of the nuclear power when we say how cheap it is? About 200 people are currently working on the site under strict security. Work emptying the waste products from the concrete vaults is a complicated process, you, you might imagine. They contain used graphite from the fuel elements in the nuclear generating process, material from the cooling ponds, and from the labs. The removal will take five or six years to complete. The Waste Operations Director at Barclay, Rob Ledger, Rob Ledgy, says, when the power stations first started generating, I don't think there was much thought put into how the waste was going to be dealt with or retrieved. Rob, you can say that again. He continues, it's taken a while to develop the equipment and the facilities to do this. The automated machinery is controlled by computers and tips the waste into a cast iron container. The containers will house the waste in an intermediate storage facility until a long-term solution can be found. How often have you heard that phrase with regard to nuclear waste? Until a long, long-term solution can be found. You know, we'll put it, we'll put it here for the moment. Nuclear waste does take a long time to decay. It's hundreds of years. Add, yeah, that's Mr. Ledger's zeros there. That's why we have to go to these lengths to store it safely, he says. Eventually, the boxes will be housed deep underground in a long-term storage facility. The location has not yet been decided by the government. There are currently estimated to be almost 95,000 tons of nuclear waste across the United Kingdom. But we'll, we'll decide what to do. We'll, fi we'll figure it out. Isn't that what three-year-olds do? Throw it away, the grown-ups will figure it. The grown-ups will, will pick it up. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it sounds hard to believe, but we are the grown-ups.
And now, let's uh, let's go to a subject that's a little more a little more cheerful because it involves the grandeur of sport. It's news of the Olympic movement. Produced by Jim Ebersole III. The International Olympic Committee has to connect with hundreds of millions of gamers worldwide if the Olympic body is to remain relevant with the younger generation, according to IOC President Thomas Bach. He said games simulating sports could at some point in the future become part of the Olympic program. Whether they could one day be considered for the Olympic program, the answer is yes, he said. It depends when this day is coming. The IOC has been working on developing connections with the gamers and the industry, but it has rejected many of the electronic games as too violent. It is desperate, however, according to Reuters, to tap into this young market with its traditional Olympic TV viewership viewership aging fast. I thought we all aged at the same rate. Some IOC members urged caution, saying more understanding of the industry is necessary before taking steps to join up with it. We're a 19th century organization trying to deal with the 21st century phenomenon, said 77-year-old Dick Pound of Canada, longest-serving IOC member. And athletes competing at the Tokyo 2020 Olympic and Paralympic Games will sleep on bed frames made from recyclable cardboard with mattresses formed of polyethylene materials that will be reused for plastic products after the Games. You know, all that plastic recycling? By the way, polyethylene, used for the mattresses, requires thorough outgassing. Due to its high outgassing rate, it is not a good choice for many industrial applications, according to directplastics.co. You remember outgassing? That's what those uh, formaldehyde-filled trailers here in New Orleans weren't allowed to do before people were housed in them. The environmentally conscious sleeping arrangements, according to Reuters, were put on display for the media this week at a mock apartment at Tokyo's 2020 headquarters. 18,000 beds will be required at the village. The bed should be suitable for all but the very tallest athletes. Basketball players don't sleep in the village anyway. The organizers are making a concerted effort to reduce carbon emissions generated by the Games. All metals will be made from metal extracted from recycled consumer electronics including about 6.2 million used mobile phones. The Olympic torch is made of aluminum waste and the podium some recycled household and marine plastic waste. And electricity for the games will come from renewable sources. But will those mattresses be allowed to outgas before athletes sleep on them? Sure. Because it's the Olympics. It's a movement. And we all need one. Every day.
Ladies and gentlemen, this program is nothing if not responsive to uh, both the news of the day and uh, the audience of the moment. A little while ago, I shared the story of the Boeing test pilots who were extremely critical of the design and testing of the accident-prone, to say the least, 737 MAX aircraft, now grounded. listener here in New Orleans came by our studio and (laughs) asked if he could respond to some of the uh, allegations in that story and... uh, of course, we had time to fill. So I'm glad to welcome to the Le Show microphones, John Pimples Hendricks. <laughs> Better known to kids everywhere as Pimples the Clown. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, you do have some uh, serious clown makeup on, but here in New Orleans, we've come to take that sort of thing for granted. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> That's one of my taglines. Ah. <laughs> I'm a real clown, uh-huh. although I also have a day job, mm. which is why I was in the neighborhood, because there sure isn't any good food around here. <laughs> well, I guess I should call you pimples. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Mm, not irritating at all. So wh- uh, what is your day job? I'm an aircraft designer. Really? So maybe you can see why I took such offense. As a matter of fact, I took the whole fence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Can't help it, it's in my blood. <laughs> but so y- you took offense at... The guy at Boeing who said that airplane was designed by clowns. Mm. I mean, that's outrageous. Also outrageous without the spitting. Uh. You couldn't smear an entire ethnic group that way these days. Except <laughs> maybe people from Poughkeepsie. Uh... Why them? <laughs> it's just a funny name, silly boy. Ah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I have to, I have to go into that facility every day, and twice on Saturdays. You brought your horn. Oh, I never travel without it. It's my emotional support horn. Mm. <laughs> but how are my colleagues supposed to look at me and collaborate with me and trust me, for gosh sakes, with this kind of smear going on unanswered? So you drop by to unsmear yourself? And my colleagues. Mm. You know, for a lot of us, clowning isn't a way to make a living. Mm. It's a vocation. Uh I'm sure I'm not the only one whose dad said, Son, you're never going to support yourself with a big red nose and a curly blue wig. You need something to fall back on. So you studied aircraft design? No, I fell back on my mom. She was sitting behind me. <laughs> but seriously, mm-hmm. I have colleagues who are anesthetists, air traffic controllers, mm-hmm. nurse practitioners, mm-hmm. all sorts of serious jobs. This guy, who I noticed didn't use his non clown name, casts a shadow over all of us. I don't need that. I brought my own umbrella. Ooh, you could poke somebody's eye out. Oh, with... that would be fun, done, sun, bun, funny. Mm. But you know what this face is? The one I'm making right now. Yeah, well, your mouth, I'm, I'm saying this for our listeners who can't see you unless they're watching the webcast, which is down again this week. Your mouth is turned, I'd, I'd almost say, extremely downward. I'm doing my sad clown face, mm. or as we call it in the business, my skeleton. Ah. You know, we don't have a union or anything. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a few of us just trying to get into a car to go to a meeting? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Take a look at us. So you're 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 kidding around, but you really are sad. Yes, mm. it's safe to pick on clowns now. Mm-hmm. It's fashionable to say we scare you. Well, boo, <laughs> <laughs> you scare us too. Huh. But can't we all learn to scare each other together? I say yes, we can't. Uh, okay, uh, pimples. I think you've made your point in this 
brand new Have Your Say segment here on the show. You got to move on to something <laughs> even more boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something with not as much blue hair, uh, Pimples. Where can our listeners uh, look for you? Uh, well, I designed at the Merit Aviation plant out on no, Chapman. No, no, I, I mean in your other guys. Forget the other guys. Where are the other girls? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be at the Piggly Wiggly in Harahan Tuesday afternoon, 5 to 7, free balloons. Oh, my favorite kind. Pipples the Clown, I'm, I'd be proud to fly in any plane you design. Really? Oh, that's so sweet. Uh, sure, what the heck. And the show continues. <laughs> With News of the Godly. Yes, it's News of the Godly time, ladies and gentlemen. Seems like it is every week these days. Even it is as it is pledged to go after predators in the ranks and provide support to those harmed by clergy. The Roman Catholic Church has done little, according to the Associated Press, to identify and reach sexual abuse victims for survivors of color who often face additional social and cultural barriers to coming forward on their own. The lack of concerted outreach on behalf of the church means less public exposure and potentially more opportunities for abuse to go on undetected. 88 dioceses were responding to an Associated Press inquiry. Seven knew the ethnicities of victims. Only one stated it purposely collected such data as part of the reporting process. The Catholic Church has made uh, almost no effort to track victims among the nearly 46% of the faithful in the U.S. who are Hispanics, Asians, Pacific Islanders, Hawaiians, Native Americans, and African Americans, according to uh, a leading scholar on clergy sexual abuse. He demonstrated a pattern of funneling predator priests to disadvantaged economically, communities of color where victims have much more to lose if they report their abuse. He, Brian Kleitz, says, are less likely to know where to get help, less likely to have money for a lawyer, and they're more vulnerable to counterattacks from the church, which will hire investigators against the survivors. What state leads the nation in rates of sexual violence? Alaska. One uh, authority says the Catholic Church has played a role in perpetuating the abuse of natives there. Florence Kenny said she was abused at the Holy Cross Mission in Alaska. She's indigenous, and she described the relationship between the church and Native American families as both predatory and symbiotic. The church provided food, money, and resources to the village in exchange for labor and silence. Silence is golden. Well, and now a Catholic priest in Walnutport, Pennsylvania was removed from the ministry after he was seen taking disturbing photographs of wrestlers at a high school tournament last month. That was announced by the Diocese of Allentown. The Reverend Thomas Durzak, 70 years old and pastor of St. Nicholas Parish, took the photos a couple days after Christmas, without the wrestler's knowledge, <laughs> uh, during the event at the... Be- didn't think Pickles, Pimples was still here. At the uh, Bethlehem Catholic High School gym, the diocese said, he used his phone, photographing the wrestlers from behind as they were waiting to compete, leading to a complaint by a concerned spectator. 
according to the diocese. In a prepared statement, Bishop Albert Schlert, I don't write him, I just read him, said Durzak's actions violated church standards for acceptable behavior. The uh, priest was suspended, I I think uh, just legally, as a precaution while the diocese investigates, he's also barred from school events and property. The behavior is disturbing, especially for a priest, said a spokesman for the diocese, but the response to it shows our child protection protocols at work. A vigilant adult saw something suspicious and reported it. The authorities addressed it immediately, and the bishop removed the priest from the ministry. Unquote. Attempts to reach the priest were not returned. He was ordained way back in 1976. The diocese says it is cooperating in an ongoing police investigation, which has concluded no charges will be filed. The district attorney said the photos included zoomed-in pictures of the boys' butt cheeks, but were taken in a public place and did not capture nudity. As such, they did not amount to a criminal act, he said. The um, suspension comes as the church has faced withering criticism over its handling of allegations of priest misconduct, including the uh, Pennsylvania grand jury report a couple of years ago that exposed decades of clergy abuse and cover-up. 50, th- 37 priests from the Allentown Diocese were in that report. The diocese has since added... 20 other names to the list. So it's 57 priests from Allentown. And isn't Hines near there? 57 priests. For the wrestling event, Durzak was not dressed in clerical attire. After the spectator became suspicious, a police officer at the tournament was notified, spoke with Durzak, who agreed to delete the photographs and left the school, according to police. News of the Godly. Copyrighted feature of this broadcast. <laughs> And speaking of butts, Get away! 
This is Le- from New Orleans. This is Le Show, uh, ladies and gentlemen. The uh, the the uh, attack, the the shot shoot down of a Ukrainian passenger jet that occurred in the last few days. Uh, there there were misleading reports about it at the beginning and uh, then the Iraqi government so well came came clean quoting the uh, th- this should be in the apologies of the week but we're we're going to postpone that but these are apologies from J- Javad Zarif the foreign minister of Iraq quote a sad day preliminary conclusions of internal investigation by armed forces human error at time of crisis caused by U.S. adventurism led to disaster. Our profound regrets, apologies, and condolences to our people, to the families of all victims, and to other affected nations. Blamed us and then apologized. And the uh, spokesman for the Iranian government, in my statement yesterday to the U.K. media, I conveyed the official findings of the responsible authorities in my country that missile could not be fired and hit the Ukrainian plane at that period of time. I apologize and regret for conveying such wrong findings. The Iranian spokesman who unlike the white house press secretary actually spokes it's uh intriguing to note the wacky parallels between this incident incident and one that occurred in july of 1988 when a iranian airplane flying in iranian airspace carrying 290 civilians from tehran to dubai was hit by a U.S. guided missile shot by the destroyer, the Vincennes. This is July 3 of 1988, killing all aboard. The, rea- the immediate reaction of then Vice President George H.W. Bush after the Navy shot down that flight, quote, I'll never apologize for the United States America of America ever. I don't care what the facts are, unquote. But then later, the actual president, Reagan, well, said he apologized to Iran for the USS Vincennes shooting down of the passenger jet, declared that reparations or compensation to the families of victims are a matter that has to be discussed. He sent a five-paragraph diplomatic note expressing deep regret to the Iranian government shortly after U.S. military leaders learned that we had shot it down. The president's message sought to assure the Iranian government the attack was an accident. And uh, the White House spokesman replied yes when when asked if he considered his message to Tehran an apology. So uh, just just a nutty, nutty coincidence that these things 
these things happen, it seems. Now, the Apologies of the Week. We're in a kind of a dance with Iran, aren't we? Representative Doug Collins, Republican of Georgia, has recanted his claim that Democrats push for the War Powers Act to be put into effect, proves they are, quote, in love with terrorists, unquote. Now he says, let me be clear, I do not believe Democrats are in love with terrorists, and I apologize for what I said earlier this week. It was a response to Democrats' efforts to rein in the president's war powers in Iran. He was uh, touring in Iraq, in Iraq, witnessing the firsthand the brutal death of countless soldiers who were torn to shreds by Soleimani, the Iranian general who was killed. These images will live with me for the rest of my life, but that does not excuse my response on Wednesday evening, he tweeted. Earlier, he had defended his comment when Fox News host Bill Hemmer asked if he truly believed Democrats love terrorists. Do all of them love terrorists? No, I think the issue we have here, though, is the fact they won't acknowledge Soleiman was a terrorist. So much for Doug Collins. He should go back to coaching basketball, that's my opinion. The Sussex County GOP's vice chairwoman, this is in Delaware, may not be able to keep her job following widespread calls for resignation over Facebook comments called anti-Semitic. Nellie Jordan, who's had the position for about a year, has since apologized for her post about Jewish people and President Trump. The uh, Republican chair of the county is just... uh, he he, He welcomes members from all groups. Her post appeared online. Many, quote, Jews in name only lend themselves to be in the hoax, H-O-A-K-S, of the pure made-up story of impeachment that Democrats have woven. That was part of her post. Fortunately for us, the people that believe that God gave us a brain to think for ourselves can see through the madness these left socialist believers had concocted against the president. God, please have mercy on them. Some of the Jewish people are doing today as it was in the times of the Old Testament, go against God's will even after he had mercy on them. State GOP charwoman called Jordan's words hurtful and anti-Semitic. She's released an apology. A few days ago, I used words I shouldn't have in describing political opponents of the president. After much reflection and thought, I now realize my words were inappropriate. I apologize for raising questions about a people of faith and a culture whose beliefs span a broad political spectrum. No matter how heated our collective discourse becomes, it should never cross the line, as I do. While I do not regret my conservative values, I do regret the words I used. Unquote. Maybe the grammar, too. That's old. always good for regretting. Oh, there are more. I'm just weaving through them. Teen Vogue magazine is apologizing for creating confusion after what it says was a series of errors in the handling of a post on Facebook's efforts to combat false information in the election this year. The article, entitled How Facebook is Helping Ensure the Integrity of the Election, presented an uncritical look at the company's purported efforts to quash election interference. 
Screenshots of the story show it was initially published without a byline and was comprised of several interviews with Facebook employees speaking positively about their company's efforts to stop disinformation. The piece attracted attention online. Many questioned whether it was in fact a paid ad. Facebook has drawn criticism for failing to address the spread of fake accounts and disinformation on its site. According to Mashable, an editor's note claiming it was sponsored editorial content was later added to the story, along with a byline for a contributor, Lauren Rierick. But she told Mashable she didn't write the piece. The story was then deleted without explanation. Dean Vogue addressed the matter in a statement to the Daily Beast. We made a series of errors labeling the piece. We apologize for any confusion this may have caused. We don't take our audience's trust for granted. This is Teen Vogue talking. And ultimately decided the piece should be taken down entirely to avoid further confusion. You don't want the readers of Teen Vogue to be confused. Facebook pitched the idea to Teen Vogue during talks last year for a summit the magazine was hosting and the tech company was sponsoring. That's according to the New York Times. Our team understood this story was purely editorial, Facebook said, but there was a misunderstanding. Turns out we had to pay for it. During the third quarter of San Antonio Spurs Wednesday night match against the Bo- match, I believe it's a game in this country, against the Boston Celtics at the TD Garden in Boston, a fan TD for Toronto Dominion, just in case you wanted to know what that stood for. A fan tossed a beer cup near the Spurs bench. Fans in attendance were furious over a controversial ejection of Boston's Kemba Walker. That was a play that saw Mark, Mar- LaMarcus Aldridge setting a hard screen that sent Walker to the floor. He took issue with the ref, shouted expletives, which resulted in his ejection. The beer cup didn't hit a player, but it did delay the game as the spill was cleared up. I do think I probably should have started by saying, you know, it's. I'm sure the Celtics have already addressed this as an organization, Boston head coach Brad Stevens said. But if not, I apologize to the Spurs for what happened out of the stands and that can being thrown. The fan was arrested after being identified. There was a time when I really loved the idea of the Celtics apologizing. But, you know, you put away childish things. American scientist Frances Arnold, who won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry, has retracted her latest paper. Professor Arnold shared the award with George P. Smith and Gregory Winter for the research on enzymes. A subsequent paper on enzymatic synthesis of beta-lactams was published in Science last May. It has been retracted because the results were not reproducible and the authors found data missing from a lab notebook. It's painful to admit, but important to do so. I apologize to all. I was a bit busy when this was submitted and did not do my job well. I'm totally bummed to announce we've retracted last year's paper, said Francis Arnold. Ink Master Judge Oliver... I don't know what Ink Master is, and I know it appears on the Paramount Network which I have never seen. So I'm going to uh, skip it right by. Manulife Financial Corporation Chief Executive Officer Roy Gorey apologized to employees for a spoof rap video that was part of the executive team's year-end message. The internal video, the third in an annual series featuring different musical genres, was retracted after some employees said they were offended by it. The Toronto-based insurer said that the video in which executives wore hoodies and sunglasses was meant to be lighthearted. We regret creating this video, removed it immediately, and held a forum to apologize to and hear directly from a employees, Manulife said in an email statement. For finance executives have increasingly turned to humorous videos in an attempt to connect with employees, sometimes eliciting laughs and sometimes groans. You know, 
insurance companies seem to think that the best way to advertise these days is to be funny, especially with funny animals. Here's pimples again. A, a Hawaiian woman has filed a complaint with the state health department after she says she bit into a slug in a deli sandwich. The uh, Russell Ruderman, founder and president of Island Naturals, apologized for the incident. And finally, a Babson College staff member, Babson College Private Bu- Business School in, Westley, Ma- in Wellesley, Massachusetts, has apologized for his bad attempt at humor for writing on Facebook that Iran should list 52 American cultural sites that it could bomb, a post that got him suspended with pay. The Apologies of the Week, ladies and gentlemen, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. One could ask if you really could list 52 sites of uh, cultural importance to America. But that would be churlish. Now, to the... Uh, to the strike that killed General Soleimani. Soleimani. The explanations for why it happened have been a a lovely variety to watch as they evolve. Now, the reason that that this all comes up is because, as mentioned earlier, the War Powers Act, which was Congress's way of saying... We only only we have the right to declare war, but we're going to chicken out and uh, let the executive do it under these conditions. And that's been the way it's been, oh, for decades. Now, some uh, senators, including some Republicans, are starting to rethink that. Maybe maybe Congress should take back the power that the Constitution lavished on them. Among the new explanations for why the president ordered <laughs> president trump ordered the uh, strike on Soleimani. this from the wall street journal this week after the strike trump told associates he was under pressure to deal with general Soleimani from gop senators he views as important supporters in his upcoming impeachment trial in the senate hmm uh, the other thing now, so uh, in the War Powers Act that is exi- as it exists, the exception is made. The president doesn't have to get approval uh, from Congress, as in the, the uh, AUMF, so-called, that allowed Bush to uh, invade Iraq. Um, if it is self-defense from an imminent attack, so that's oh, that's why there's all this discussion about it. was it imminent. The uh, defense secretary on the Sunday Yak shows today, speaking of the intelligence, said... Uh, at one point, that these attacks that the intelligence warned about could have happened, which doesn't sound all that imminent. And the Washington Post reported this week, on the same day that General Soleimani was killed by a drone strike, U.S. forces carried out another top-secret mission against another senior Iranian military official, Abdul Reza Shalal, in, in, in Yemen. That operation didn't work, didn't kill him, didn't die. This suggests that the killing of Major General Soleimani might have been part of a broader operation than previously explained. Whether the mission uh, to kill General Soleimani was solely to prevent an imminent attack on Americans. So, as I say... 
the uh, explanations such as they are continue to evolve. You've reached the private line of Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Leave an encrypted message at the sound of the first tone. Or if it's the president calling, leave an unencrypted message at the sound of this tone. Hey, Mike. Listen, thanks again for not making me look around this crap hole of a desk for the little encryption thing. You'd think if they wanted you to remember where it is, they'd make it big enough to see with the naked whatever. So look. I've been thinking, I know we haven't got this uh, eminent uh, threat domain thing right yet for why we killed the guy, even if we couldn't kill the other guy. But, so just talking with some friends last night, some ideas, some good, some great, you decide. We found out Soleimani was planning to disrupt the Olympics. He was planning to disrupt the Pro Bowl. There was a plot to blow up an Iraqi oil installation, a Syrian oil installation, one of his own oil installations. That's, that's kind of out of the box. Carl Icahn thought that one up. Look, Sean Hannity had a great one. We uncovered his plan to bomb the Fox Bureau in Tehran. And this, this was terrific. He said, if we're going to use that, give him a couple days to try to set up a Tehran Bureau. You know, we might have to fast track some crap or something. Reaction to the four embassies thing on Laura's show was out of this world. I could go on with Hannity and say it's now 16 embassies, new information, yada, yada. Chris Ruddy from Newsmax, you know him. This was, uh, this was his. They were planning to blow up the big Trump hotel in Baku, Azerbaijanistan. But it never opened. So that could get us an insurance payoff, which, you know, not bad. But maybe our banking friends wouldn't appreciate the new attention so much, like really at all, ever. So... Okay, you're probably at church. I am, too, really. Just stepped out for a minute to make this call, then going right back in. Oh, look, they started singing. Again, look, talk later. Mike, you're the best. Nobody does loyal better than you. See ya. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the award-winning news of the warm. I don't know what Tom Wolfe told me to do this. Soft listen to Deforestation is changing the way monkeys, we talked about monkeys earlier in this program, supervising clowns. Monkeys communicate in their natural habitat, according to a new study. Deforestation is changing the way they communicate. The study, led by an anthropologist at the University of Waterloo, offers the first evidence in animal communication scholarship of differences in vocal behaviors in response to different types of forest edge areas. Working in a tropical lowland uh, rainforest in Costa Rica, the researchers examined how human-caused forest habitat changes have affected vegetation, sort of by definition, and in turn the rate and length of howling by the howler monkey species. Howler monkeys live in groups, wouldn't you, if you were a howler monkey? It seems, it seems reasonable. Led by Laura Bolt, an adjunct professor of anthropology at Waterloo, the study compared how the communication behavior of the mantled howler monkey differs in forest edges impacted by human activity, anthropogenic ed edges as we call them now, compared to natural forest edges. 
anthropogenic areas were like areas within 50, uh, sorry, 165 feet of barbed wire fences marking the edge of the forest and start of plantations or pasture. On the other hand, natural forest edges, areas within 165 feet of a river. That would be a natural edge. The study found that mates howl to defend high-quality resources. The durations of howling in the forest interior and at river edges, where vegetation resources are richer, the howling lasts longer in those natural areas. The The researchers found differences in howl length between river edge and barbed wire edge areas, an important insight for conservation planning. Howler monkeys eat leaves and fruit. Well, at least they don't eat eat shoots and eat fruit and shoot <laughs> eat leaves and shoot. And if they are howling to defend these resources, we predict uh, eat leaves and shoots. We predicted that males would howl for longer when in a forest interior or near the river edge, where the vegetation is richer. Their evidence shows that, in fact, anthropogenic deforestation is altering howler monkey behavior. Bolt and her colleagues say long-term howler monkey conservation initiatives should prioritize preservation of forest interior and river edge regions and reforestation of human-caused forest edges. We don't know what implications these behavioral changes may have for monkey fitness, says the researcher, but it is changing howler monkey communication behavior. This is just one of the many ways that howler monkeys are affected by deforestation. Makes them howl less. What else would it do? News of the Warm, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. And now a moment, a moment of news about News Corp. Nice Corp. Nice people doing nice things. It's going to sell its video advertising company, Unruly, to an advertising technology firm, Tremor, at a huge discount. Nice Corp. Paid a bundle. It's going to get a, a tiny bundle less. This is a digital advertising, which everybody wants to be a part of. The, uh, it has a, a, in it a product called ShareRank, a tool that can predict whether content will go viral on social media. Screw media. If that, if that works, I want to take it to the track. News of Nice Corp, ladies and gentlemen. Nice people doing nice things. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this edition of the show. Back next week, same time, same station on the radio thing. Whenever you want it, on your audio device of choice. And it'd be just like getting the howler monkeys to howl their normal length, if you'd agree with me then, would you? 
Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh huh. Tip of the show, chapeau to the San Diego desk for its contributions to today's broadcast. To Pam Halstead and to Garrett Pittman here at WWNO for their help with today's program. The email address for the show, a playlist of the music heard here on, and your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts all at harryshare.com. Twitter at the Harry Shearer. show comes to you from Century of Progress. I said progress, didn't I? Century of Progress Productions originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long. From New Orleans.